Everybody happy this morning? Let me read something to you that's uh, going to happen. A lot of times when we preach, we preach about something that has happened. And I guess in the mind of God, this has already happened. How many have someone that you love or care about who has passed from this life has gone on to be with the Lord. <clears throat> Paul said to leave here and be with him is far better. He didn't say better, he said far better. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But here's, a, here's something that uh, I just wanted to, this will be your appetizer this morning. It's found in first, you don't have to turn there, but first Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13. Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a what? With a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that it should overtake you as a thief. For you are the children of light and the children of the day, and we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, put it on the breastplate of faith, of, of faith and love, and for a helmet, a hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we awake or sleep, we shall live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you do also. Amen. Comfort one another with these words. Well, he said, we're not those who don't have hope. And uh, our message is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for those who don't know and haven't received him so that they have the same hope that we have. Amen. We've been in a series now. I guess this is our third time. Thank you. And the third time together, um, talking about is God in control? You could say a lot of ways, the sovereignty of God. Is God in control? Uh, big subject around the world. Many different beliefs. Hear a lot of different things preached on this subject in pulpits all over the world. Don't know how you've heard it. But we have to really be adamant about what we know to believe the truth. 
for something that is said so often that God is in control. And we've all heard that time and time again. Um, actually, I think the word probably more used than that is God is sovereign. That's kind of how you heard it. You know, God is totally sovereign. God is the sovereign being. And God is in control of everything. Well, I just want to point out to you once again that the word sovereign is not in the Bible one time. To be used so adamantly to, you know, build doctrine upon it. Uh, a lot of New Testament translations use the word sovereign, um, but it, it actually is never found anywhere in the Bible. Uh, you know, and this is our third time into this, so we're, we're not saying that God is not sovereign. There's a lot of things that's not in the Bible, including the word Bible. So you have to take the word for its full counsel. And what does God say? So if we need to be so adamant that God is totally in control, then we can't go by man's opinion. We certainly can't go by our experience. We have to do like we do everything. We have to go totally by the word of God. You say, well, why do we even, why even teach and preach this? Because we, I think we all believe what we, what we believe. Well, we probably do. Maybe in this room we do. Um, but there still might be some things in our lives that we, even though we hold that belief uh, that God is sovereign, but yet we understand that we together with him, our workers together with him, that God's not running the entire show, that men do have choice, and, and most people, hopefully they, they do understand that part of it. There might be traces of this in, in thinking in other areas, if that bleeds into it, that we'll just leave things up to God. In other words, I'm not God, he's God, so I mean, I'm just in here kind of just, you know, on the sidelines, and I know I know it's coming uh, as soon as God pulls some things together. Well, not so much as God pulling things together, but he believes he's already finished his work and he sat down. And I want to go back, we'll, we'll reiterate a few things, but I want to move forward this morning. And um, we, we called this one this morning, Choice or Chance, or Truth or Dare. You ever remember the game Truth or Dare? And uh, Truth or Dare is about players that are given the choice between answering a question truthfully, and if they don't want to do that, then they have to perform a dare. So we have uh, the choice to share. In other words, you have a choice to share sometimes an uncomfortable truth, no matter what the question is. Truth or dare? Well, we don't, we don't want to dare you this morning, but if I, want to dare, if I want to present a dare to you, I want to dare you to go to the truth. For he is the truth and he is the life. And when we do that, then we'll understand the, the truth of what he's saying to us about his plan and that his original plan. If you want to go with me in your Bible, go to Psalms chapter 8. Psalms, the 8th chapter, and I'll go there also. I'll read this from a, a couple of different translations. But Psalms 8, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. I'm in the, uh, well, I'll just stay in the King James. Uh, Psalms, 1, verse 1, Psalms 8, verse 1. O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. He said, When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, here's the question, what is man? That thou, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man which thou hast visited him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and with honor. And thou hast made him to have dominion over all the works of thy hands. 
uh, your Bible, um, uh, may or may not, uh, in the margin of your Bible, um, where, uh, verse, uh, where it talks about the angels, it made him a little lower than the angels. Your Bible may have a little margin over there, and it, where it says, made him a little lower than angels, you may see, it may say the word Elohim. Well, Elohim is certainly one of the names of God. God didn't create you on a lower order than angels. He didn't create you as angels or like angels. We certainly know that they're in a class all by themselves, but they're not the sons of God. Certainly they excel with strength and powers and abilities beyond any human. We know that. That's understandable. But the, the, it's a mistranslation to, uh, to think of angels in the sense of the, uh, the seraphim, the cherubim, and so on and so on. That's not what they're talking about here. He said, what, what is it about man that you made him a little lower than Elohim? You, you made man a little lower than God. And you have crowned this man with glory and with honor. Uh, I want to read um, part of that to you. You can just listen if you want to. But in the New Living Translation, it says this. Why are, why are mere mortals, or what are the mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Now listen to this part. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority. God's in control of everything. God's running this planet. Why, if God's in control of this planet, as, as we hear and we say, then the man goes along with everything that God says and does, and God, uh, God chooses for each one of us. He has a foreordained path, and he makes sure that you choose that path. Well, you know that's not true. Like we said the other day, I said, how do, you know, how, how do you know it's not true? Well, we'll just start with you again this morning. We gave you, I mean, it was almost a silly example. Like, I mean, if it's foreordained and God makes every choice for you, then... If God's told you this morning to eat raisin bran, then you can't eat cornflakes. Or if He told you or told you to eat eggs, then you can't, certainly can't eat oatmeal, because God foreordained. And only in His wisdom did God know why you needed raisin bran just more than cornflakes. Only in His wisdom did He know why you needed whole milk instead of two percent. Only in His wisdom does He know, you know, why you bought that color blouse or shirt than the other one because God's running everything. What does anyone believe that in totality? No one believes that in totality, do they? We know that God gave us the ability and gave us the responsibility. Something simple is called choice. Years ago, some things happened with some people. When I was, uh, we were talking with some friends of ours uh, who minister and we were talking about some things that happened in their family and other families. And they said, well, this, they got in trouble or someone got off and did some wrong things. And we, and the, the point that was made said, well, they're, they're not living their destiny. They're not living that, that choice that they made was not their God given destiny. And that wasn't foreordained for them to make mistakes. It was their choice. Sometimes people don't live their destiny. They're not living in, in, the, in the plan of God. They're living in their choices. And there are good choices, and as you know, there's bad choices. And so God gave each one of that. Actually, it's a gift. Some people think free will is the worst thing that ever happened. I understand why they would say that. 
But God didn't want to, he wanted a family. He didn't want robots. He could have made that himself and never included either one of us. He wanted us, he wanted you to have the choice to desire him, to want him, to love him, even though we don't even understand the depth of his love for us. But perhaps one day we will when we're with him. So we, he, we, it said here that you gave them charge over everything, putting all things under their authority, which actually des, uh, describes your position in Christ. We're just uh, kind of going over a few things we have said, and we'll move on, move on to, to uh, new ground. We know this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan is still operating where believers fail to exercise faith and authority. Why? Because he blinds the minds of those who believe not, lest they see the glorious light of the gospel. It doesn't say he could, it says he does. He blinds the mind of the unbelievers. Well, I can go ahead and expand on that. He, he also blinds the minds of believers. Certainly the unbelievers. If they, if they knew the truth, could see the truth, they'd run to him. But you could be deceived as a believer. We could be blind as a believer, not seeing the truth of God's word. You know, the Bible says it's the entrance of God's word that gives us light. What is light? It's development. It's understanding. It's, uh, it's furtherment. And then we know that there's seven, uh, there, there's more. When I'm saying there's more entities that are there than God that's causing things to happen. In other words, there's over seven billion people that say on the planet, individuals all enforcing their own wills and sometimes do unwise things by choice. And, um, we talked about this last week that as far as far back as the fall of man, think about it. there's uh, there's been catastrophes, which you might call catastrophes on the earth. You have floods and earthquakes and tsunamis and tornadoes and all such of these things. The Bible said the earth groans waiting for this time that God has called it to. The earth itself knows how short the time is and this groaning and waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. We also know that God is not the author of bad things because we know from James 1 that He is every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. Uh, we talked about, we didn't turn there, but we talked about choices and we're talking about choices this morning. We said last week that every day, each one of us in a thousand little ways make big or little choices, big or little decisions. Sometimes those choices add life and peace and prosperity and happiness and joy. And sometimes choices can take some of that away. Every, every one of us in here have made choices that we have regretted. It would be good to get a, a redo, a pullback. Um, I'm sure that's true of everyone. You don't, you don't have to show hands. I know it's true. If you've been alive for any period of time and you know, we're, we're What's that? You're, you're, you're so much wiser looking back than you are sometimes in the moment. You know, if I'd, if I'd, if I'd. Well, we can, we can learn from that mistake and then move forward. And then we can tell someone else. They generally seldom ever listen, but if they do listen, you, sometimes you can help them. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like there's, there's a wall, there's a wall, there's a wall, there's a wall, there's, there's two doors. There's only two doors that lead out of this room. And if you need to leave the room, you know, for a moment or for the day, then I, I would suggest going there. You could get out of this building. You could bust a window, but, you know, I'm going to probably have you arrested. No, I'm just kidding. No, but if you, you could go out a window. You could make her, I guess if you really want to make it hard, you could just, you know, claw your way out the wall and bust your way out through, through the outside wall. I, I wouldn't encourage that. 
There's just an easier way. But some people are determined and said, I'm going to do it my way. They like Frank Sinatra's song. Then Elvis picked up on it and other ones. They said, I want to do it my way. And that's what, they, that's what they usually say, I'm doing it my way. And my way sometimes puts you on the highway, you know. And then there's the other song that became popular years ago, said, I'm on the highway to hell. And it became very popular because of the music that, that was surrounded that song. People would sing the words and they released words that they was on the highway to hell. And Satan was so excited that he had actually got the lyrics into the earth and he had people join into him. If, if you just had the right synthesizers and the guitars and the drum, you can pe make people sing, you know, almost anything. Just almost anything. Well, do they really want to go to hell? No, they don't want to really go to hell. Do they want to be on the highway to hell? No, they don't want to be on the highway. I said, well, what? it's no big deal singing it. You know, we're just enjoying the music. Well, you can enjoy yourself all the way into oblivion. Hmm? Or you can say no. We were talking about this over the weekend. You can sit there and watch a commercial. On, on, they're, they're on TV, mostly in the nighttime, you know, um, um, where the, the commercials are about certain medications. And if, if you're watching TV, you certainly can sit there and listen to, you know, this new drug and, you know, ask your doctor. And, but then they have to give you, you know, the, they quickly have to talk about the side effects. And, the, you know, the, and down there, a little writing that you have to have a telescope or a microscope to see it. They tell you all the things. If you take this, good chance all your hair will fall out. You lose your teeth. Your tongue might turn purple. And, uh, you know, and then whatever, whatever, whatever. And this really could help you if it doesn't kill you before the morning. But it'll ask you questions. Are you having this? Do, do you have this? And do you have that? And we just sit there and sometimes watch the commercial. But what we could do is, is like Michelle said, you could either turn it off, you could put it on mute and wait for it to go by, or you could just leave it on and answer them. No, 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 and God bless no. Amen. No, 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 no. Jesus answered the fig tree, and he didn't let it keep on saying, because it was saying, I have, I have leaves, therefore I should have fruit. And Jesus walked over there expecting to have something to eat, and he says, if you're not going to live and produce and do what you're called to do, there's just no need you being around. Goodbye. Turned around and walked off. And uh, so we have to answer these things in our life, uh, these choices and chances. Now, Deuteronomy 30, 19, and I'm in the NLT, says... Um, Deuteronomy 30, 19, the Living Translation says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness to the choice you make. Uh-oh. Well, I thought God might decide between the cornflakes and the raisin bran. I thought God said buy a red shirt instead of a blue one. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness to the choice you make. Uh-huh. Oh, that you would, now he gives you a little clue, trying to help you. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So we see here emphatically, you don't, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to look, look up these words to know what he's saying here. He says, I'm, I'm giving, I've given everyone the ability to choose, to make choices. He tells you, that you can make a choice to live in, the, in life or you can make choices that bring death. You can have choices that bring bl blessing, but some choices bring cursing. He gives you free will, but he tries to throw you a little hint, or, a little hint over here and say, if you would just choose life, that you and your descendants might live. 
And then we need to look, uh, look at some, uh, some more scriptures real quickly that you're familiar with in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. You say, well, why are we going through all the verses? Because people who preach the absolute sovereignty of God, that God does everything, and, he, and nothing can happen without God doing it, or that he allows it, skipped over all these verses. If, you, if you're thinking that, then the Lord's put all these verses in front of you, hopefully that you'll stumble over them and never make your way over there to the consensus of, I don't have to do anything. Now, let me tell you this. That, that, that thinking lets a lot of, makes, it, it, and it does. That, that kind of thinking brings a, a certain amount of feeling of comfort in times of sorrow or in times of we don't understand what happened. It makes us feel better temporarily. It helps at the funeral. It helps during the sickness or disease. It helps with the loss of a possession or uh, a loved one to say, I don't understand why. Well, it's true that we don't completely understand all the reasons why. Do you? I don't. There's things that I'm, I'm still a student of this word. There is a, a scripture in Deuteronomy that says the secret things belong to the Lord. But we can't just use that verse every time that we don't understand something and inject it to make us feel better about ignorance. Some truth is hard. Some truth is heavy. Some truth is heavy. That's why so few men carry it. Genesis chapter 1, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Stand back and watch us have dominion. Don't try this at home. <laughs> You're not built for this. You're a peon. You're like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pee Wee Herman. No, he said, have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moves upon the earth. The, now, the Hebrew word for dominion is the word R-A-D-D-A-H. Phonetically spelled is radau. Radau. Dominion is the word radau. And the definition, the definition, because he told them to have dominion, right? Let us, we are made in his image and likeness. Therefore, he said, let Who's he speaking of? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. If it's the board meeting, who's in the board meeting? The Father, the Son, Holy Ghost. He's created mankind. He says, let us make them in our image. Let's make them after our likeness, our, our similitude. In other words, let's, let's put in them what's in us. So he gave what was in him, and he put that in you through the new birth. Let them have radar. In other words, God said... Give them the ability to tread down, that is to subjugate, to have dominion, to prevail against. Put in them the ability to rule and to reign. It means to take. So he kept on saying in these scriptures, in many scriptures, 
where it talks about dominion, it literally means to tread down, to put under your foot, or to hold in place under your foot. So it means for you to have absolute authority. So God does have absolute authority. But he gave an, he gave an area over to Adam, which he had dominion also, didn't he? True sovereignty does not mean fickleness. Doesn't mean God's inconstant, unstable, uh, that he has a opinion that changes. No, he's 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 always the same. He's always the same. That's that's why it's, it's um, Christian was part of her message that she was talking about was about all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Well, you you know that verse, but it doesn't do any good to know the verse if you don't get the context of it. All, not half, not most, not a lot. All the promises of God are yes and amen. It didn't say, I, learned, I grew up, you probably did too. Um, I grew up in a full gospel church. Well, they said we full gospel. And they said, but concerning prayer, God answers prayer, but he answers in different ways. You probably heard this or a version of it. Sometimes when you pray, God says yes. But there's sometimes God says no. But then sometimes God neither says yes nor no. He says, God says, wait. Does anyone grew up in that church or some version of that? But, but all the promises of God are what? Are yes and amen to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Well, there's two parts there. So now, now, now we know if we want to get a yes, we need to know what the promises is. But that still doesn't, that still does not uh, guarantee you the answer. You say, well, I thought if we receive the promise. No, you, you, you have to know the promise and you have to believe the promise. But he says to those who's in him, well, here's the truth. Are you in him? Well, of course you are. If you're born again, you're in Him. So all the promises of God are yes and amen to those who are in Him, in, in Him who? In Christ Jesus. So we don't have to search anywhere. We don't have to look too far. Someone says, I'm just going to lift our voices up and I'm just going to cry into the heavens to God. Well, you don't even have to do that. You can just look down because He's right in here. Amen. Now, I know people like, like it more complicated than that, but especially if it's a, um, when people come for prayer, and if it's a, if it, if it's something that it looks major, if it looks big, if it looks, I mean, this this is not a good. There's there's no answer here, so it certainly must require God. You know, at least have have you know, we should or God should or all together. Maybe may, may there ought to be a little perspiration in the room. Well, I don't think God's going to perspire. I don't know that He uses deodorant, but I, I wouldn't think that that He does. But I don't think God's going to perspire over anything that the doctor's going to tell you. Do you? When you made billions of galaxies, believe me, any symptom that, that you have in your body is not a threat to him in any way. No disease, no devil wants to jump in the ring with, 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 with God Almighty. I mean, that's a heavy weight and you're not even a lightweight if you're that. And he delivers the knockout punch. So all, all the promises of God are what? They're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't mean God gets to do whatever he wants because he's sovereign. We, we looked at that a couple of lessons ago. 
I mean, it's the will of God that all men be saved. Are all men saved? It's God's will to all come to the knowledge of the truth. All come to the knowledge of the truth. No, it's God's will that, that the house of God be filled to compel them to come in. Is all, is all the house always filled? No. Is, people all, is all people walking in the plan of God for their life? Well, apparently they aren't. So does God get his way all the time? No. You, but to say he's absolutely sovereign, that nothing can happen without God's either doing it. And then you have the, the other version of that is, well, he may not have did that, the evil, but he certainly had to allow it. Well, who said that he allowed it? Well, it happened. And God's in control. Well, see, th this is where the difference comes in. You see, I believe God is sovereign. I don't need to find it in the Bible to know if God's sovereign because I know what sovereign means. It means he's highest in rank, he's highest in order, he's highest in all creation, he's supreme, no one, he's omniscient, he's, he's omnipresent, no one can match him, no one's better, deal, better even dare deal with him and oppose him. There's no one higher than God. There's no more intelligent God. So in that sense, he's absolutely sovereign. But just to leave everything to him because God's running the planet, well, then that's not what the Bible said from Genesis all the way into the book of Maps. When you find out who you are in Christ, it's not just so you have a great day. It is a great day, but you also find out who you are. And then he said, these works and in, in greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. These works and greater works. Well, that, that, that's, not, that's not an invitation for you to step down or step back. That's, the, 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 that's to put some skin in the game. Huh? You're Jesus with skin on. Hmm? He that's joined the Lord has, has become, has formed a single spirit. Huh? See, devils don't just answer to, to Jesus. They answer to you. Now, I, I don't want to take the time to do this, because I covered this two years ago. But, but there's, there's, there's the, a second death. And, and after the thousand years of the millennium, after that thousand year period of time, the, you know, and then after the devil's been loosed for a season for a thousand years, Right after that will come the great and final judgment. And that's where everyone who didn't choose Jesus, who today is not with Jesus, but, but they're in the place of hell, they'll stay there when we're raptured. They'll stay there when there's tribulation on the earth and we're in heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb and for the reward seat. They'll stay in hell for the thousand-year millennium. But after the millennium, they'll be brought forth with Satan. And the Bible says they'll be judged. And even we will judge. There's things that we'll give judgment about. And then people who's already in hell haven't, haven't even received their final verdict. I mean, I don't know. Unless he cried out to God, if he did, he'd be there. But if Hitler, Mussolini is in hell, and I suppose that they are, we don't have any indication they cried out. Their punishment, punishment might be much more severe. In other words, they're there, but they're going to be brought back. That, how would you like that? Not only to be in hell, but to be brought back, it says it's worse than what you think. Hmm. Don't go. Huh? Now, we don't want to go there, so, and we're not going to. Well, so he has authority, but we also have authority to rule and reign. 
So it doesn't mean God gets what he wants all the time. Sovereignty means that God has relegated himself to operate within his own commands. That's probably a good way of saying it. Sovereignty means that God has relegated himself to operate within his own commands and within the laws that he, he himself has set. That's the true sovereignty of God. God set the laws. God set the boundaries. God said, I'm going to make free will people. I want them to have a choice. I want them to choose. And he says, so when man invites me in, when, when man says, I yield to you, be Savior, be Lord. See, Savior is one thing. It's an amazing thing. Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the new birth, receiving Jesus Christ. But some people never go past saved. They, they live their whole life saved. They live as baby Christians. They, they may die at 98 years old and be a baby Christian, never ever growing up into him. You know, when James says, if any man's sick, in other words, he needs help beyond, he's not talking about you know, a, a little minor ailment or a boo-boo. He's talking about if he's unable to help himself, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray for him. Let him pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. Well, an elder doesn't, I mean, it could be, but it doesn't mean that they're elderly. It doesn't mean they're on, you know, they're drawing Social Security. That doesn't mean that. I mean, the, the, they, they could be 12 years old. Jesus was 12, and they were taking notes when he was teaching. Hmm? Those of you who can pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith what? The, the, the prayer of faith that coincides with the, the, the faith that's in Christ is in you. And I can release my faith into you and get his result. That would be the prayer of faith. If I come up and say, Lord, I don't know, you know, uh, Lord, heal them if it's your will, that, that's not faith. How could you pray, faith, pray the prayer of faith when you don't know what the will of God is? You, could, you, you can't believe for something without a shadow of doubt if you don't know what the will is. I mean, that's Bob's, uh, one of the, uh, the most popular statements in F.F. Bob's work, book, Christ the Healer. He says, faith begins, begins where the will of God is known. Until you know the will of God, there's, there's, there's nothing to put faith in. Well, the, the Bible is called the New Testament. It's the will. So if you read the will, you can know the will. You can take all this, well, God's a mysterious God. Well, okay, but you could actually open the book and read it. It won't be quite as mysterious. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you could go to a restaurant you've never been to and send open up and look at it and say, this is a mysterious menu. <laughs> well, just go there once a week or once a month, two or three years. Work, work your way around from the left to the right or right to the left and up and down. And it won't be as mysterious. Right? They'll, you, you, they'll get to see in your face, and if you're the same thing, like, like Mr. Keith and I would do, we, I mean, what's wrong with it? It's not broke, so why wouldn't we do it again? They see him coming in. They know what he wants. You've heard me say this when Pastor and I used to go out before they closed the room of Tuesdays. That's where he liked to go, and, uh, and, and I did too, but, but, but I, I knew what he wanted every time. He never wanted to change. And uh, I, I, when she came over and I said, you, you want me to do the honors? And he, he just laughed and said, yeah. And I said, I said, well, he'll have so-and-so and so-and-so, and he'll have his drink this way, and, uh, and he wants some lemon with it. And she looked at me like I was ordering for a child. I said, he's busy thinking about what he's going to talk about. So I'll just go ahead and give you his order, and I said, this is what I'll have. In other words, what I said was, I'll have the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> then they wouldn't close the joint. 
So <clears throat> COVID got to him, I guess. So sovereignty means that God, once again, has relegated himself to operate within his own commands, within the own laws that he himself has set. Now, is God sovereign? Choice or chance? Truth or dare? Sovereign, once again, means to be supreme in power, superior to all others, possession of the highest power, possessing supreme dominion. Is God supreme when we say it that way? Yes. He's absolutely supreme. Ask you another question. Is God superior to all? Yes. Does, listen carefully, does God possess su supreme dominion, power, and control everything in the earth? No. So if we're going to be adamant about something, then we have to know what actually, what he's saying. So the word sovereignty, once again, is not in the Bible, but the word of God is. You know, there's one word in the word. <laughs> there's been so much preached about sovereignty. Uh, uh, and this is my first opinion, whatever it means. I, th I think it's one of the worst. I don't want to, be, I don't want to say this, so. I do want to say it, but I won't say it. Te teaching God is in control of everything has set the church so far back, so far removed. Uh, I, I, I don't mean 20, 30 years. You, you, you have to go back, almost, oh gosh, you have to go back almost to the dark ages. You, you can't say 50 years, because we, we had or 70, 80 years, because we had people like Smith Wigsworth and John G. Lake walking the earth, Marie with that, or William Seymour. Wow, they'd have chewed this stuff to pieces. You'd have to go back to the dark ages when, when people weren't allowed to have a Bible and only certain hierarchy would tell you what they said it said, and you had no access to the Word of God. That's how far back it goes. Like I say, it, it works good at the funeral. It works good when I'm suffering and I don't know why. I mean, it's a, it just, it, it brings, can, can you see what I'm talking about? It, it could bring some level of comfort to know that maybe even though I don't understand that God worked a, uh, a greater purpose in it that I won't understand until I get to heaven. And I'm, I'm not here to solve all mysteries. don't know how to. But the greater one in us does. The greatest one, in, he doesn't know the answers. He is the answer. Amen. He's not searching. He's already searched. Hmm? He's not on, on a sabbatical. He doesn't need one. He's fully rested. He's on go. Huh? He's, he's over in let's take over mode. So if we're going to be adamant about this, then we should, be, we should know what he says. So the word sovereignty, of course, not in the Bible. And that word, and, and I was going to say the word, there, there's one word that, that's in the Bible we should have used and preached it all over the earth, and that is the goodness of God. You can find that everywhere, that God is good. That would be better than sovereign. Hmm? Because he uses his supreme ability, authority, dominion, and might for goodness. For God so loved you, he so loved this world. You know, Moses just said, God, I, I, I. it's kind of like this has been an amazing ride, but I want more. And God's saying to him, well, what more do you want? He says, I want to see you. He said, Moses, you, you can't look upon my face and 
you, you wouldn't live. But God, I want to see you. He says, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go over there get behind them rocks? And he says, in just a moment, I'll pass by and I'll allow you to see my back parts. Twofold lesson here. Literally, God has back parts. We're made in his image, in his form. The other part you've heard me minister on, the first five books of the Bible is called the what? The Pentateuch. Who did the Holy Ghost use to write it? Moses. Was Moses, was Moses there in Genesis? How could you write the book of Genesis when you wasn't there to see it? God showed you his back parts. He showed you where he'd been. But he also let him see a form. As he came through, he saw that. Well, he, he said, I, I want to I I, I see you. Well, the way that God actually answered that, he says, you go hide yourself and I'll pass by. And, I, and this, is, this is the King James in many translations. And, and the original, that's what, it, it didn't change. I looked at some of the original language and it said, it said word from word almost what your King James Bible says. He says, I will let you see all my goodness. He wanted to see God, but God called seeing him. If you could see him, what you would see was nothing but good. Hmm? You know, I, I'm sure um, I'm sure it's still there in insurance policies. When you're buying something, you know, for um, depending on where you live, if you live like in a flood area or whatever you live. But we all have, you know, if you have insurance on your vehicles and on your home, It'll still have in the phrase in there if, you know, like if a tornado, hurricane, or, you know, whatever does damage or wipes out your, <laughs> you know, your, your home or possessions. It calls, it calls those things what? Acts of God. Wonder who wrote that in years ago. Every car that Nathan works on is an act of God colliding with somebody else. Either destroying their car, totaling out, or someone dying in that vehicle. Every car can't be fixed. Not only did the car die, but the person on the inside died. They would call that an act of God. Does that sound like a loving, caring God? Would you do that to your own children? Yet we are better than God. We who are natural have more love and care and compassion for people than God does. Yo, but you don't understand the full purpose. You don't have the full counsel of God. You can't see everything. You don't know why that bus needed to hit them. And I don't want to know. I don't have to know. You know why? Because I can read. Because I can read. So, I can't give you an exhaustive list because I know we have, uh, when we meet, it's for a limited amount of time. It's the hour of power. So, so I can only give you 15 things that I know God is. <laughs> in, in quick order, I'll give them to you. In Genesis 17:1, He's Almighty God. In Isaiah 46, 9, there's none like him. And in Revelation 4, 8, says God's holy. In Psalm 36, 6, says God is righteous. In Zephaniah 3, 17, says God is mighty. Job 9, 4, God is strong. Isaiah 40, 28, God's everlasting. Deuteronomy 33, 27, God's eternal. 
Revelation 1, 8, God's the Alpha and the Omega. 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. 1 John 4, 8, God's love. John 1, 1 through 4, God's the Word. Psalms 136, 1, God is good. 1 John 3, 20, God's all-knowing. Psalms 139, God is present and omnipresent. Sorry to be speaking so slowly. But if, if God is sovereign, the way that people say he is, and that you have no say about your life or your choices, huh, I mean, no, no decision regarding your life and how you're going to conduct your life, then, then why do we pray? Why? Why would Jesus teach his disciples upon their request? Their request. Teach us how to pray. Our Father, what? Which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Kingdom come. Thy will. Jesus is teaching. This is, this is the master teaching. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It goes on to say, give us this day, you know, our daily bread. Well... So what is the will of God in heaven? Well, you do a little study of heaven and see what's going on in heaven. It doesn't mean heaven, uh, it doesn't mean the earth, we're enjoying the full benefits that we will in heaven. But that's the order. God wants order, not chaos. And when we have chaos on the, on the earth, that's why you and I are here. We are, we are agents of the kingdom as ambassadors to bring uh, calm and peace, tranquility, to people who are living in chaos. Not just on a personal level, but also in things to deal with the world and the government and earthquakes and da, 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 on, 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 so on. That's what you're supposed to do. People say, I know, I'm, I, they say, oh, the way I hear you talk, you, you, you're trying to be just like God. You said, thank you, Jesus. You finally noticed. Hallelujah. Amen. That's not prideful. You commanded me. Be you imitators. Of who? He didn't say... He didn't even say John. He didn't say Peter. He didn't say Paul. Be imitators of God, you, de you dear children, right? Matter of fact, the number one thing Jesus said, the way that, th that they know, the way the world will know that you're of me, that you're my disciple, he says, because they'll see you loving one another. Well, I remember going to a few board meetings at church and growing up on a Wednesday night, and I, knew, I didn't know where God was. But boy, there was some there was some railing going on. Man. It's like Deacon so so and Deacon over there. Man, they'd be tore up about. <clears throat> I'm so glad I, I one of the one of the places I, I hated the worst to have to ever go to when I was um, in the floor covering sales is to go have to meet. Uh, I always be in the afternoon or night. I had to go meet with the board on floor covering. You know, they would show me the designated area, whether it was the sanctuary or the whole building. But that was fine. I'm out there doing my measurements because we got to see how much this, you know, floor we're going to need. That wasn't the problem. Y'all know what the problem was when it comes down to what kind and what color. That's where the cat was, you know, like trying to put, give a cat a bath. It's like giving the elders a bath in our, like a cat. Like, and I'm talking about people were screaming and hollering. Uh, I won't name the church. Some of y'all would know it's in Chilton County. But I remember there were some that they come had to call the police to in an ambulance. About seven miles from here. Now that, you know, then, then, you know, they're mad and one had the other arrested. That looks good. Now there's a good church growth program. Who cares what color it is? Huh? 
I mean, if, if you could do it a civil manner, do it. But what's the big deal? Who cares? Amen. Matter of fact, when we come in here, I mean, you know, the uh, place had been closed up for a long time and needed to be aired out and all such as that. And we didn't replace the floor cover at first. We didn't go to the expense of that, but it definitely had to be painted. You know, it's been, because it was a furniture store, right? So they had furnishings. So they've been, there was a nail every 13 inches. They nailed, you know, because they're, they're giving you, this is what this living room suit looked like here in the bedroom suite over here. And so, you know, and it had been years, so it had to be painted. And the first thing I told them, I said, they said, well, what colors? I said, don't ask me anything. Don't know, don't care. Either give me this or block of wood to preach. That's all I care about. He said, that's a typical man. Thank you. Amen. I, I really didn't care. But, but someone had to make some decisions. Amen. But it's amazing what, what split people up. You ever had an argument with someone? I don't mean, you know, I don't mean last week or this week. You know, maybe, you know, a long time ago or, or younger. And then after a while, you, you know, th this happens all the time in, in marriages. People get to a place and they can't go no further. They go like this and they get whatever. Then a week later, they can't even remember. They, they know they was mad. But they can't really remember what started or what they were mad about. Or maybe they can. They just won't tell you. I don't know. It's just like whatever. Or they'll say I'll forgive them, but I ain't never going to forget it. What does that mean? You ain't never forgave them. Jesus, not only did he forgive, but he forgot. So when you keep on bringing up how you missed it over and over again, he says over and over what? He thinks it's your first time. Then when you get that straight, he has no time. That's a good deal. I said amen right there if I was you. Okay, let's close out this morning. So he relinquished the right to all authority when he gave you the free will to choose. Um, there's a lot of places you could go into in the scripture to see that, you know, that, that man had choice, even if it wasn't God's will. Uh, I think we, um, we know, of course, in Genesis 3, that you know, God told Adam and Eve not to eat of one tree. But did they? Yes. But, but if God's in control, why didn't he stop them? Why didn't he just come down and when he was about to partake of that fruit, why didn't he just, you know, slap her in the next Thursday? You know, just slap the taste out of her mouth. I mean, could, could that have been avoided? Well, could he have done it? Yeah, he had the ability to come down and knock you in the next Thursday, but, but he gave her the, the choice to choose. True? And she chose. They kind of chose for all of us. Can't wait to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us would have done the same thing, though. That's what we'll find out. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you'll go in, there'll be something you'll be reading on so that you'll know when you meet Adam and Eve, uh, this is what you better not say or do. I mean, somebody, I, mean I don't know how it works. But there's something about Adam and Eve, right? Uh, when you, uh, don't, we won't go there, but in 1 Samuel 8, you can read about Israel wanting a king. They said, we want to be like other nations. God said, I don't want you to be like other nations. I don't want you to have a democracy. I want it to be a theocracy. God rule, God reign. They said, no, we, but, but, but we want to be like other nations. He said, it won't go well with you. He said, whoever I put in charge, they're going to take your children to serve them. He's going to put them in their armies. He's going to take, he's going to take some of your lands. 
he's going to take some of your stuff. And they say, well, whatever. We, 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 we want to be like everybody else. God said, okay. So he, he let them have what they have. And he gave him Saul. Saul was God's first choice. If, if Saul would ha have obeyed God, there would, would have never been a need for David. God loved Saul. But Saul got in trouble. Why? Choices. God gave him some instructions and he couldn't follow them one day. He got to a crossroads, and all he had to do was just do what the prophets said God said to do. And God said, what you have done is rebellion, and rebellion is the same thing as witchcraft. We don't think about those terms. That, that, that stems from, from little on up. If you don't believe so, go work in the nursery if we've got at least two kids. And put down a toy, a new toy, and see if there's not a little, little tug of war going on. Hmm? There'll be some scratching and pulling and, you know, and whatever because they're kids. Did you have to teach the kids to do that? No. Where is it? Now, we don't like this. It's in their nature. How is we all born? With a sin nature. What is the sin nature? What is, it, what is the root of all sin? All sin. Selfishness. Where do we get it? The devil. That is the root of every sin. Okay, just think of any sin, but the root of it is selfishness. It starts as a baby. It starts in the nursery. What do you have to do that? You, you teach. And my mother believed in the scripture where it says you drive it out with a rod. She believed in that scripture. She, there's some she didn't know. She got that one down good. She knew every translation they put out on it. <laughs> and she did. She drove it out of your flesh. Far, far away. <laughs> Amen. So she said, I don't want to spoil this child. <laughs> so she bring out the rod. Come here, baby. Amen. Barbara was the oldest by a little bit, so she'd get out quicker. Amen. Uh, so, but, but Israel got the king. Didn't work, didn't, didn't work out good. Now, now listen, this will, I think I can finish up in way four, three o'clock. Anyway, so, but in 1 Kings, don't turn there, 1 Kings chapter 9, 11, 12, because I'm going to paraphrase this. 1 Kings 9, 11, 12, you read about there's a wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, and, uh, and they're all coming, and the people are trying to uh, determine, you know, what's, what's God saying, what's God doing, because there's this tremendous wind, a tremendous fire. And, uh, and uh, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, and the Scripture says the Lord wasn't in any of them. Hmm. In other words, He didn't have anything to do with it. And so people say catastrophes like this, the wind, fire, tornadoes, all such as this, is the acts of God or the judgment of God. Well, that means that God believes, but see, God believes that all the punishment has been poured out on Jesus of all judgment of all time. Now, that doesn't mean there's not judgment. There, there is judgment. You need not hear this part. Is there judgment? Yes. Is God judging you today? No. Is there sowing and reaping? Yes. But sowing and reaping is not judgment. See, if, if you don't understand that, you, you look in the old covenant and you'll see people dying and being slaughtered and you'll be whatever and, you, and, and you'll see how God had to deal with people under the law that he's not dealing with people because you, you, you just happen to be born in the dispensation of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So God deals with us different in the dispensation of grace 
than he did in that time. Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb. He took all the punishment of the world, all of it. So, does, so God dealt with people. The, the, the way that he could remain good and bring goodness to people, even before it was, even before the time of dispensation of grace, is he had to make covenants. So he, so he made a covenant with the first Abraham. That was broken. But then he made a covenant with Noah. And we see one with Abraham and David and, and all these different covenants. And so anytime that they would invite God in by invitation, then God would step in because of invitation and he would fulfill his covenant. And there was no, there was no hurt or damage to the people. We live in the dispensation of grace and, and grace in our people. The people in our time are talking about God is mad and he's angry. And he's going to pay you back. And because of the sins of the people and God weighs this thing out and it's on a scale. And when it gets too far down, God has to bring back the other way. So he has to, he sends some type of catastrophe to the world because sin has outweighed man's sin has outweighed, you know, God's command to live righteous and holy. Well, God never told you to live righteous and holy in your own self because you, you can't do that. You didn't do anything to become righteous other than the fact that you believed. And if, if, if you do it of your own works, it's called self-righteousness and it stinks in the nostrils of God. Are you going to make mistakes? Are you going to make mistakes going forward? Well, let me ask you another way. Are you going to breathe going forward? Well, then somewhere along the line, you're going to make some make a mistake. Now, but don't let's don't just take the attitude. Well, it doesn't don't make any difference. Now, I don't think I've ever said this, but I just heard it. It's, it's nothing, whatever that. But uh, I don't think I've ever said this because there, there's two ditches. One is God's angry, God's mad, you know, pray, forgiveness, law. You know, some of us were taught that you're saved. But if you, you know, it's funny, you go to church. If you was like me, you went to church. Preacher preached. They sing a song, Just As I Am. I answered that, I answered to that altar call and I came and I got saved. It was glorious and I was saved. But the next week they don't sing that song to you. It's, it's thou better not. In other words, so some people were taught that you was no longer saved if, if you messed up or made a sin. Anyone taught like that? And, and so some, that's why that joke is made about they wore out their rededicators. No one here other than me I've, I've, I've ever made a deal with God. But sometimes you know, I get myself in a mess. I say, God, if you'll, just, if you'll get me out of this fix... I'll, I'll never do this, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. Something to that effect. I'm sure no one else did this, but I'm going to tell you I did. I'm fessing up right now. This is fessing for me. Confession for me. And I did good for a little while. But, but, time went by and found myself in the same place again. Well, then we find out about the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The justification was not based on what a man did, but, but on what, uh, or you did, but what a man did is man's Christ Jesus, the last Adam. And you put faith in the last Adam, which is Jesus, the son of the living God, and he branded, he branded you forever. You know, like you watch a Western movie and they brand you. Well, that doesn't wash off. It's, it, it's in there. It's going to be there a minute. 
So when you came to Jesus, he branded you and he put his seal on you, his mark. And every time the devil comes your way, he sees God's mark in you. But grace is not God just overlooking you all the time. Say, so go and do what you're going to do because you're just human, whatever. It ain't no big deal. No, it's a big deal. Got Jesus killed on purpose. So when it comes time for rewards, if that's the attitude, this is what I think I've never said this way. If we use grace that way, and they come from the place of rewards and fulfilling our call in life, if you misuse grace, there may not be no reward. He said, because you knew my grace was not only, it's not just a cover-up, it's not, it's not, it is a covering, but it's not a cover-up. Because he'll bring you back to this lesson today, if no other, if you hear what I say. So if you don't want to hear it, be responsible, cover your ears right now or run. Grace is God's ability, God's strength. God, Holy Spirit is, is called the spirit of grace, the spirit of influence to divinely empower you, to deliver you from anything, addiction, pornography, uh, drugs, whatever it is, he'll, he'll bring, he'll bring, he, he breaks the stronghold so that you can be free. It's not just a cover up to say, well, now I don't have to feel as guilty and all that because, you know, God, I, I, I just got his grace, doesn't matter how, how much, how I live. No, it does matter. Because you're supposed to be an example to the world. I am supposed to be an example to you, to every believer that I minister and preach to, if I read my Bible right, to say this is the way. Not, not, you're not following a man. We're following the faith, but, but if we have just our eyes just on people, somewhere they're going to fail. And if, our, and if our focus is just on them, if I fail, then you fail. If I go off the ditch, you go off the ditch. But if I keep preaching to you Jesus, he doesn't ever go off the ditch. Right? So that way, if I go off the ditch and, and you keep your eyes on Jesus, y'all come get me and bring me back. But the church doesn't do that. When someone misses it, they don't do that. They don't bring it back. While, while, while they're down in the ground, they stomp them a little bit. You know, and they're like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Right? In other words, people get wounded and then we kill our wounded. But, but even in our military, don't do that. Even uh, any Marine or anyone in the military, we, 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 we do not leave our people on the battleground. And I don't know the statistics of it, but if it took whatever it took to go get one soldier off the field, 20 more might get killed doing it. Now you got 21 deaths. You said, that's not good math, but it's good heart. Because if you're in a fight, I'm in a fight. If you're suffering, I'm suffering. If you're in need, I'm in need. Why? Because we're in Christ and love binds us together. If the devil attacks you, he's attacking me. That's how it works. That's how heaven looks at you. If you feel like you're under attack, so is heaven. You know this. You know this in many ways. But when, when, when Jesus appeared to Saul which would later be Paul on the road to Damascus, and he knocked him off his horse. Paul asked a question and answered it all in the same thing. He said, who are you, Lord? That's revelation. As you're asking the question, the Lord, Jesus says, he says, why do you kick against the pricks? What? He says, what you do to them, my people, it's the same thing as you doing it to me. It takes it personal.
Would you talk about someone? Would you talk about anyone? Would you put someone down? Would you belittle someone? Would you, would you point out their mistakes? Everyone here probably has been guilty of that in some measure, including myself. We belittle them. We, we, que sepate con te sema. Grieve the heart of Holy Spirit. There was a wind, an earthquake, and a fire, and he wasn't in any of them. But watch this in Exodus 3 2. There was a fire. Moses was called to a burning bush, but the bush was not burned or consumed. First Kings 19, there was a wind, an earthquake, and a fire. God wasn't in any of them. It wasn't the act of God. Exodus 3 2, there was a fire. And out of that fire was a message, and the bush was not consumed. And Acts 16, Paul and Silas was in prison at midnight. They began to sing praises, and there was an earthquake. But it didn't deliver, it set free. In Acts chapter 2, there was a wind. You might have read about it. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. No one was hurt, and everyone was blessed. How can we tell if God's in it? Simply, God's good. His goodness blesses. Satan still kills and destroys. So when folks say God's in total control and nothing happens if it isn't His will, they never consider that God Himself, although sovereign, lives in the boundaries of His own Word. When people die young or old, it is said it's God's will. Perhaps it was their time that God took them. He needed another angel. I'm sorry, but you don't have a scripture for that. Sometimes people die. Sometimes, not always. Because they choose certain things. Or they don't choose other things. He says choose life or death. I, I'm no one's judge, but... but it was, I mean, when you pastor about three decades, you're, you're going to learn a few things. You may not like all that you learn, but I've been with people who once was part of our church. And, and I remember going to some hospital rooms, and I'll mention no names because it makes no difference who they were. They're, they're, they're in heaven. They're in a much better day than we are. I don't care how great it is. But I, it was the first time it happened to me. And the husband said, he said, Pastor's here before he goes. Let's, let's have him pray about this right here. They're going to do this test. And, and she said, um, no. He said, what do you mean no? She says, she says Pastor, and her, she was very frail. She said, I don't think bad of me. I don't want prayer. I don't want to stay here. I want to go. Please let me go. I want to go. She said, I'm tired. Would you please go now? And he was up there awestruck and he just, uh, he, was, he was, I mean, he was in shock. Well, that's happened to me uh, only a few times. Well, if people get in enough trouble quick enough, they, 
you know, the, the human side of you just wants out. I don't, I don't care who you are. You get enough pain, you just want out. It won't be good logic. It won't be good reasoning, maybe. Especially if, you know, if your family's not raised and they're still in need of certain things. You know, but people don't always use logic in those situations. Well, so that was their choice. That was their will. I'm not saying that if we'd have prayed that, that we would have got exactly you know, the best way or that they would have lived. I wasn't given the opportunity to. And so people say, well, it was their appointed time. Well, that, that's what the scripture said. It's appointed for man once to die. So we just interpret that. It means that God has a calendar and he has the, the year and the date and the month. And then, then he has to choose a method for you to, to leave by. See, I, I, I'm, I'm always one who thinks about those kind of things. Like, okay, if, 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 God, if God chooses the day that you got to leave, it just seems to me that he has to be involved in how you leave, right? I mean, no one here, <laughs> excuse this pitiful example, but if someone here was going to be that kind of person and you was, you was for hire to, to remove someone from the earth by contract, then you would have a method, wouldn't you? That's how that works if you hire a gun. And uh, so when, when tragedy strikes, so I, I asked some people one time, and they said, I said, so this was, you're saying this was their time. Oh, yeah. I said, well, they're only, this person's only this age. They're not even 40 years old. Yeah, but God knows all things. I said, well, he does know all things. And, and, we, and he said, and, and, and you don't know and I don't know, you know, why God is choosing not to heal them and take them on at this time. And I, and I said, but they're, but they're dying because they were in an accident. I said, well, I know that. I said, so does, is, is, that, is this death because of their accident? And they said, well, of course they died because of their accident. I said, who, who ordered it? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, it, it, you're telling me it's their time. And then they died on this day, and we know it was an accident. I want to know. If God is, is in com complete control, then I want to know who ordered it. Oh, no, it's just, you know, things happen. I said, no, you, no, 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 no. If you're going to have your cake, I'm going to help you eat it too. Because you said this is the day, and it had to happen on this day. So God just can't wait for a happenstance if it's got to happen on this day, right? In other words, if, 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 if your house is supposed to be painted red, on January the 23rd, 11 o'clock, someone's supposed to show up with some red paint tomorrow, right? Not blue, not purple, not orange, red tomorrow on purpose. And, I, and so the point was, who ordered the accident? I said, did, did God take them out by taking their life with this accident? They said, oh, no, God, God wouldn't do that. I said, well, then who did it? They said, I don't know. I said, I guess the devil. I said, well, now, I see, I, buddy, I, I, but I got more questions than that. He said, well, I think I've answered. I said, oh, no, I got a whole lot of more. I said, so if God chose this day, then they had to leave on this day, but God's not going to do it. It's out for hire, so he works with the devil. He hires the devil to go strike at you, but it's for a greater purpose than the two of them still working together. I thought we're co-laborers with him. I didn't know it was another trinity. He said, you too deep for me. And I said, then you too shallow. Hmm? Never assuming that man might get off and make the wrong decision. Hmm? These are things that 
people would rather you didn't talk about or say. Just let, just leave it alone. You know, let's just have three or four songs, hymns to hers, and take up the offertory and give a little bit more, you know, be good to your neighbor and let's go eat some chicken. Well, some people get in a, in a scrap and a fight. They, they need someone there in their corner. Huh? If you ever get in a scrap and a fight and you, and you need someone, you, you, you don't want one of these chicken eaters over here. You don't want one of them Genesis fruit nibblers. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we may not get what you want to, but, but if we go down, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be kicking. They'll know we've been there. Huh? How many, how many, how many want a, fight, a fighter in your corner if, if you're in a fight? Huh? We may not come in there politically correct. <laughs> we might have to get forgiveness instead of permission. <laughs> huh? If it's a fight you want, it's a fight you're going to get. But like Jerry Savelle said, when the fight's over, there's going to be one standing. God is sovereign. He's total ruler. He's total authority. He's omniscient. He knows all things, has all things. The difference between, you have to understand, is between power and authority. God has all ability. He has all power. He's all dunamis. He has all these things. But he does not have the authority to come into your life to do whatever he wants to because he gave that to you. You might, if you own a tank, if you own a tank, you might get in your tank and go to your neighbor's yard and you would have the power to blow their house to shreds because you have the tank. You, you, hear it? you understand what I'm saying? But do you have the authority to do that? Do you have the permission to do that? Not unless the, the owner gives it to you. So God has all the might. He has all the might and the strength and the ability. But might doesn't make it right. If he has given man authority on the earth and the dominion on the earth, his dominion, his authority to live and rule and reign. You can't say God did it if we're sitting here sleeping with our hands behind our back and we're not standing our post. Where was, where was Adam in the garden? How come when he said, look, you can look at this thing and tell us good for eating. When he said, when the serpent said, God knows that if you eat of this, you'll be like him. And they partook of the fr fruit. And they became, Adam saw immediately that he was naked. Well, you know, he was, he was, he was always naked. They were clothed in the, in the majestic glory of God. Who told you you was naked? Who told you that, that it, it, unless I eat of this or I do this, I'll not be just like God? You're, you're, you're so much just like God right now sitting right there in that chair. Listen to me going way too long, I know. But you're just like, you're just so like God sitting right there in that chair that when the devil looks at you and him, he can't tell the difference in your spirit. When he picks on you, he, he figures he's picking on Jesus. So he has to bring things to you to see if he can draw flesh out of you. See, he couldn't, he couldn't draw it out of Jesus, so he has to bring things that pertain to the flesh to see if you'll nibble on it like, like them fruit nibblers. 
when he know when when he knows when he sees you nibbling for whatever he's he's feeding up, he knows he's got something to work with. It's like them fish down there. You just got to have the right kind of bait at the right time, right? He's looking for a, he's looking for a nibbler, Billy. That's what he's fishing. He's looking for some one of the fish that's hungry, not even hungry, hungry. And 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 what is it? If if it's not a minnow or a worm, it's a lure. Is it even real? Is it real food? No, he's a master deceiver when it comes to fish. <laughs> but it's okay because God told him he has dominion over it and he believes it. That's why he, that man never goes fishing. He goes catching. Amen. So that's who we are. And that's how this thing works. Is God sovereign? Yes. Absolutely yes. Is God running this whole planet? Absolutely not. How many of you hope heaven is not looking like earth is right now? In your life, your neighborhood, the workplace. How many of you hope the government of heaven is not like Washington? Cool. That ought to be a little clue that God's not running everything, right? Amen. Well, we speak life to you right now. Life to your, life to your, your own being. I speak life into your souls, into the emotional state. You know, all healing, whether it's emotional or physical, is nothing but the life of God. So I speak absolute wholeness in life into each one of you right now. We're about to see an explosion. Hear testimonies of people all over the earth being saved. Your family, your loved ones, those who... We've heard people say, oh man, that's going to be a hard case for God. I used to say that about my own dad. And I found out it wasn't too hard. Huh? Wasn't too hard at all. So we'll, we cast our care upon the Lord and, and we, we, we believe God right now for household salvation for you and your family and your loved ones right now. That the, so that the will of God will be done on the earth who have all men come to the truth and the repentance and of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But I also speak life into your body and I speak life into, you, into, your, into your children and I speak life into your finances right now. And I speak life and I speak the fullness of everything that he has for you in 2023 for it no longer to be just a dream in your mind, but it'll be, it'll come to fruition and it'll be put on display. And on display, you'll see, you'll see the genius of Holy Ghost. You'll see the grandness of his glory and the splendor of who he is and the wonder of his person as he displays his glory in each and every one of you. All different one from another, never looking the same, yet God's so multifaceted beyond, sometimes we think this is the way God does it and the only way he does it, so y'all need to come in and follow how, no, he has so many ways of doing it. You may not even like all the colors in his rainbow, but he thinks they're all very special. You may not like all the way God loves his children and the way he loves them, your love may stop somewhere where his never fails and never, the ocean's deeper than what you know. It's wider than what you can see. Ephesians 1 said to know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. He gives you more than a three-dimensional look. Mm. Sometimes we think it's so narrow, but God is not narrow. He expands the whole universe with his glory. All you have to do is breathe him in. 
and out and in to experience His goodness. Amen.